0: This episode was recorded in 2023. Hello and welcome to Returnity. I'm Letty Gordon furs founder of the Springback Guide. Every week, we'll be diving into the pressing need for better support on women's back to work journeys after maternity leave. You'll hear real life stories from working mums where motherhood has transformed their careers and get an inside look at the industry leaders at the forefront of innovating in this space. Ready? Let's go. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Jenny Plant. Jenny, how are you doing? Hello, hi, Leslie. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. (laughs) What I ask all of my guests is, where are you in the world right now? And what can you see in front of you?
1: I am in my kind of office, well, studio, at home in London. So I'm in front of my production desk with my keyboard and my microphones. <laughs>
0: oh, and we're going to go more into that soon. So I'll just describe how we know each other. So I know Jenny as Jenny's husband went to university with my husband. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much it. I went to a wedding and met you. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm like in love with this girl. She's so great. I mean, that's the main thing. And then I've just been following your professional career, which obviously... We'll talk about, but tell me about, I mean, we know about your husband, but tell me about your family unit. Uh, What are their names and who is in it? So
1: my family unit is me, my husband, well, his nickname is Beetle. His name's Alexander, but everyone calls him Beetle. And we've got our gorgeous daughter, Orla, who is 18 months now, which is crazy, time flies.
0: Yes, like definitely time flies. So tell me, what did you do pre-babies? So
1: pre-baby, I was... Well, and I still am, but I'm, yeah, a singer, a uh, songwriter, composer. I just, I do do lots of different things, really, across music. I guess I started as a singer-songwriter and then released music and then have recently got more into the composition side for film and television. And I also do a lot of singing for film and TV. So recently sung on The Little
0: Mermaid film, on video games, cool. things like that. So, yeah, all things music, basically. <laughs> Yeah, all things music. And obviously, these days, or at least back when we were at university, like, the arts isn't something that people, I don't know, like, there seem to be fewer and fewer people going to the arts, I guess, because of the money or because of, I don't Mm -hmm. know, like lack of funding towards creative stuff. So how did you get to that in the first place? Did you always know that you wanted to be in music or specifically a singer? Do
1: you know, it's a really interesting point that you raised there because actually, no, I mean, I always did music from a young age. And at school, I did all the orchestras, the choirs. But actually, when it got to choosing universities and A-level time, yeah, the school didn't encourage me to do music as a career. It was one of those things where, you know, going back, I feel like nowadays I would definitely be encouraged to do it. But back then, it was like, oh, what academic path are you going to go on and actually I wasn't very academic (laughs) you know that's the thing my A-levels were very arty music technology drama I I did politics as well actually but yeah I just was encouraged to take the academic route rather than the arts and so I did I went to university and I studied sociology oh my god I didn't even know that (laughs) no I know well it's something I don't honestly like don't really talk about just because it was just not really me you know I had a great time at university but it's all kind of I guess part of my my path and what what was meant to happen I guess at uni I did a lot of gigging and singing and then I just thought what am I doing (laughs) yeah I need to do music that's all I want to do and I just went for it but I, I as I said I think it would be different now i think it'd be more encouraged now
0: i think it would too it's funny isn't it because like similar to you so i was in like all the choirs at school i played the, i played the oboe you know oh, that nice. really oh. that really versatile instrument that everybody plays oh, I love um, you. <laughs> 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 yeah and I, I used to sing like six times a week at school i loved it absolutely loved it but oh, it just nice. didn't even occur to me
1: yeah and you'd be out of practice yeah
0: Yeah, but I mean, I just sing randomly all the time just around the house. So, I mean, in some ways I'm quite jealous that you just had the, like, gumption to just go for it. So when did that point happen for you? So, like, you did your degree, got through it, and then was there any kind of point where you were like, oh, I should go and get, like, a job?
1: Yeah, so I did. I got a job for a year. God, it was just like a investor relations kind of job
0: oh my life I know (laughs) know. is so funny talking about this I don't really that's so funny in all
1: honesty I don't really talk about this part of my life very much I think maybe it's because I try and hide it away I don't know why but I was so unhappy did it for a year and I was just there and I just remember sitting there one day being like what am I doing and obviously in the meantime, I was singing still and, and doing it as a hobby, I guess, my songwriting. I always carried on doing it, background. And so what I did actually, I was like, right, I've got to take this seriously and do it. So I went and enrolled in, at the ICMP, Institute of Contemporary Music Performance up in Kilburn Way. And I did a high diploma in vocals there. And that was kind of my nod to, I'm, take, I'm doing this now, you know? Had musical qualifications, yeah, yeah. or you know, whatever. But this was like... I thought I had to put myself into a situation like that to show the world. And the rest is history, really.
0: I know, which is so crazy. And obviously for any musician starting out, anyone in the arts, full stop, money is not great. How did you get to the point where you were like, okay, I can actually financially support myself through this and I can make this a career? Was there a light bulb moment where you were like, oh, my God, I'm doing it?
1: Mm, It's taken a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's why I've diversified what I do you know I think at the beginning of my career I had loads of part-time jobs alongside to help fund me I mean basically as a streaming artist you hardly get any money so yeah it's about getting sync so your, your music uh, in television shows you can get money from that. And then basically, as time went on, I started writing music for TV and film. That's where you start to see the money coming in. But it takes a while. And and, and obviously gigging. God, I, I gigged and gigged. Really hard work. It was. Like, really hard. I, yeah. And I did it actually a lot of this place called Boysdale's as a jazz bar. I sat there and played the piano and sung. And actually, the pay was really bad. <laughs> and then, yeah, for people starting out, I would say a lot, you know, alongside the gigging getting into the film and TV and games world is really where you're going to s- start to see the money.
0: Yeah, because I did see just via social media, you got a song into Love Island, which is like amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well then, you know, something like that. Funny enough, they don't
1: pay you up front for that, but you get really good royalties. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's, royal, that's royalties. But yeah, it's a hard thing to make money. But obviously, you know, the more you stream... The bigger you get as an artist, I mean, streaming still—it's not great, but eventually, obviously, like Adele makes millions from streaming. But of
0: course, but then you know, Adele. Yeah, yeah.
1: she's Adele. But yeah, it, so yes, the, I've had to diversify what I do to find different income sources in the industry. But that's great, and actually, I love doing that. I love doing a singing a vocal session, writing a song for a TV show. It's it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's very day
0: super varied and did you ever go down the path of because like in a secret life I would just like kind of love to be Katy Perry or just be a Spice Girl I don't know if I could do it over again that's what I would do so did that ever did that ever occur to you as in like maybe I can be a pop star or was that just never in your kind of mind because of classical background
1: when I was really young I've got a real memory of um watching a Kylie Minogue video I remember just thinking I want to be that you know I I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm still holding out for a Letty. you know I mean, oh, yeah. say, uh, not, I'm not saying I'll probably be a Kylie But I'd love to do big gigs and sing all over the world Yeah, oh my God, I would love that And I, I'm actually in the middle of writing an album So Because cool. that kind of stuff goes on the back burner a tiny bit When, you know, you're trying to make money with the other things But hopefully next year I'll get my album out And then I can do some gigging and touring And yeah, it'll be nice
0: So how did you meet? beetle then because i assume not at university because you guys weren't at the same university were you
1: no we met when we were 18 oh my god yeah we met in fiji when we were traveling and basically had this holiday romance for a week and then we left that holiday and we just stayed in touch and then he went to uni with some of my friends as well and we just over those years stayed in touch and went our own separate ways which in a way i'm so glad that we did so properly broke up well, yeah we weren't ever really together I mean we just like had a real like holiday romance but we went off to our own unis and stuff and then yeah like uh, after uni I think we were at a party reconnected and kind of the rest is history.
0: Yeah definitely and that leads us on to obviously you guys got married and then got pregnant so tell me about that.
1: So we got married, oh, it was a COVID situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was May, we were supposed to get married in May 2020. And then it was cancelled because of COVID. And then we rebooked it for May 21. Anyway, we had to cancel it again. And then we eventually got married, but only 30 people. But then anyway, then we went to Isle of Skye our honeymoon because again travel was pretty tricky around that time and then in the well pretty quickly after yeah we got pregnant in kind of July 21 and then um i feel like it's probably a natural moment to bring up the fact that my whole life kind of crumbled at that point near the end of my pregnancy one day i found a lump i actually got like a buzzing sensation on my right breast kind of above it and I just thought, what is that? And I waited two days and it was still there. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to feel it. And I just had this lump. And I just, you know, actually, honestly, at that point, I just knew it was cancer. I, just, I don't know. It was really weird. My my grandmother died of breast cancer. And so when I felt the lump, I just, I just had this... Real gut feeling about it, but actually after that, everyone around me was like, "No way, no way!" You know, you're pregnant, and so I actually then felt like, "Oh no, it wasn't. It's not." Don't you know? I you know, I just kind of don't
0: freak yourself out. Yeah, yeah. it
1: was one of those because, <laughs> to be honest, I have been known to be a bit of a hypochondriac. So oh yeah, me too. <laughs> so yeah. when that happened, everyone obviously was a bit like, "Oh, you know, come on, Jen." And I was thirty-six weeks pregnant or thirty-seven,
0: sorry. When you found it, yeah. Oh my god.
1: Mm. And at that point, you're like, you, your milk supply is starting to come in, really, and mm. and so it's natural that everyone just assumes that it's just the classic kind of lumps and bumps that come with mm. uh, milk. Anyway, skip forward. I went to have a private scan. Actually, really quickly because I was really freaked out and because I couldn't get a doctor's appointment for a bit. And it's COVID, yeah. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? It's inconclusive, but I'm pretty sure it's a lactating adenoma, is what they said. Because actually, nine times out of 10, it will be that, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I'll still go to the GP. Anyway, long story short, I went to the GP. They said the same lactating adenoma, but referred me to the breast unit. And then uh, fast forward another week, I went, had a scan and they took a biopsy again, still well, like 90% sure it's this lactating adenoma cause I was pregnant, but thank God they took the biopsy and a week later I was in there. And I remember the doctor just said to me when I walked in, he didn't say anything else apart from, Oh, how pregnant are you? <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, "Why are you asking that?" And, um, and then he just said, "Yeah, it's because um, he got cancer." Anyway, oh my God. I, I remember that that appointment was weird because I was on my own. And, which I was going to say it was Beetle with you, no? No, and that's a massive fault of theirs actually because normally they tell you to bring someone, but they hadn't. So I didn't. In that in that appointment, I spent the whole thing like on my phone texting my mum and my sister and Beetle. I, I was in such shock that I didn't listen to anything that they were saying to me. Anyway, so they, they said, We're going to have to get this baby out soon so we can start treatment. Had a very aggressive type of breast cancer called triple negative. I mean, oh God, I had no idea what that even meant at that point. What does that mean, just in case anybody doesn't know? Yeah, So so there's lots of different types of breast cancer, which again, It's not something I ever knew, but you've got the hormone positive ones and then mine's called triple negative, which is, it's not a hormone receptive, but basically after you finish treatment with a hormone positive breast cancer, there's some medicine that you can take to help prevent it coming back. But with triple negative, there isn't that, but It depends on the grade, how much it's spread. I was really lucky. Mine was small and mine hadn't spread. And, you know, I'm just grateful for that. And yes, after that became literally the hardest, hardest time of my life without doubt, but also the most beautiful having aula. It was a really strange time, but after I got diagnosed, I basically had to be induced a week later.
0: I don't even know how you live between those times Like the amount of waiting, you know, you're waiting for treatment, you're waiting for another opinion, you're waiting, there's so much waiting. And it's like, how do you go about daily life? I think that's the bit that always blows my mind about these types of diagnoses, which is just like, and then if you're anxious, and then you have an anxiety confirmed, it can be really terrifying, because Mm -hmm. your whole life, you probably were told by other people, oh whatever you're worried about, it's nothing. And then it was something.
1: You know, you hit the nail on the head. That I've really struggled with that actually since. Yeah, <laughs> to be I'm not honest. surprised. Uh, because ultimately I was always worried about getting breast cancer because of my grandma. So yeah. then my actual worst nightmare came true. My worst anxiety came true. And so now going forward, if I get a pain somewhere or whatever, just being like, well, It was breast cancer that time. So why wouldn't it be this time? You know, you you can't live a life like that. You just can't. And my birth was great, actually. I mean, it went well. I was lucky with that. I had a pessary induction. And then I had an epidural at midnight. And then at six in the morning, she was born. I gave birth at King's and they were just all so lovely. And and that was my precious time with Orla. Before I knew the journey ahead. Because I had surgery, chemotherapy and radiotherapy. I knew... The next year was gonna be so hard. So actually, that one week that I had with just me, Beetle, and Aula just together was so magical, actually. Very scary as well. You know, when you have a newborn, you're
0: it's like, ah, Oh, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: really nice. And then I yeah, I went to surgery two weeks after she was born to get the lump out.
0: Two weeks.
1: That's super rapid. Mm, it was really rapid and You know, it goes without saying the surgery and then into chemo, it was, it was difficult. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how did it affect things like breastfeeding? Obviously, if you're going to breast surgery, I mean, how does that even work? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Again, looking back, I love the NHS. I feel so lucky that I got all my treatment on the NHS. Yeah, it's amazing. But the one thing I would say is they weren't really experienced in the department of my situation.
0: Because it's so unusual.
1: Yeah, it was unusual. And they, the surgeon had never done breast surgery like this with a, a boob full of milk. Yeah. And he basically said to me, oh, do what you want. Because I think, you know, for him, he was like, no, of course, if you want to breastfeed, breastfeed. I think they didn't want to take that away from me if I, if I wanted to do that, if that was my choice, which actually in hindsight was the wrong decision because basically I should have just stopped the milk supply yeah. because when they went to operate on me, It's a (laughs) sugary substance with a wound. It got
0: so infected. I was going to say, the infection risk must have been like
1: huge. Yeah, and I was back in hospital a week later for a week. I couldn't see Ola for a week because I was so ill with this horrendous infection. But in the couple of weeks up to the surgery, I did pump loads to try and get some extra milk for her for after because when I started chemo I had to stop breastfeeding eventually because of the infection I had to take a pill called cabergoline I remember it was called which dried up my milk supply surgery and breast milk is not is not a thing
0: not a good combo <laughs> terrible yeah. terrible combo yeah. but I think it's any challenges with feeding no matter like where they come from are hard at the best of times. But having something like that, where it's like trying to feed your child and do the normal mum thing, but then you're in this like completely otherworldly situation that so few people are in. And there's just such little awareness about, and I really remember your social media time because a friend of mine also found out she had breast cancer, but she, she got through it. She found it really, really early. And I remember thinking like, well, that's the second person I know. That is really... I really don't know anything about this. And I think just being really aware of your breast shape and just what's normal and what's not normal. And I think always just the kind of, if you're in doubt, like there's just, it's always worth just getting checked. But I think I really thought more about it after you'd posted because I thought, yeah, obviously it's cancer in pregnancy. And I thought, well, it's so much growth hormone going around your body, right? Because you're growing a baby. So, yeah, yeah, it's super dangerous.
1: I'm part of a lovely charity called Mummy Star. The charity was set up for women who are diagnosed with cancer in pregnancy and up to a year after. And being part of that community, you realise how much it's happening. The cancer rates are scary, I feel, for younger people. It just seems to be, I don't know, is it (sighs) that people are getting diagnosed more? But what I would say is when you're checking your boobs, make sure you're looking out for lumps, uh, any changes in the kind of appearance of your boob, like dimpling, a rash, anything hard, basically just get to know you're normal. And if anything feels off, just always go and get it looked at. I think that's the thing. I was told obviously that it was just a lactating adenoma, but I, I had this real fight and like gut feeling in myself to go and, and get it pursued because honestly, without sounding dramatic, if I hadn't have like gotten, it would just, yeah, it would have
0: But It just got worse, yeah.
1: It was a fast-growing cancer. You know, it was grade three. And, yeah, cancer and pregnancy is a thing.
0: I think any sort of awareness raising is really good. And, I mean, even I use natural cycles as my contraception. And they give me, like, a monthly reminder to check my boobs. And I really appreciate that. They're like, okay, off you go, check your boobs. And I hate doing it because I get so nervous. Yeah. Because I'm always so terrified that I'm going to find something.
1: Yeah.
0: But I just think, well... You know, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I might as well try and find it early. <laughs> like, so. Not
1: completely. That's such a good way of looking at it. I get scared. I do it, like, I'm supposed to do it every kind of two weeks. I absolutely
0: hate I doing can't it. Stand it. I can't even imagine how you you must feel. Like, I can't even imagine.
1: Well, you'd know, but you'd think, yeah, but you'd think that, like, because I've found the worst case scenario, I'll be all right doing it. But I don't know. I, I still hate doing it. And, but you're so right. If it's there, it's there. So, better to get on it.
0: And that must have been a really different intro to parenting, only because, I mean, you said yourself, you're in hospital for a week with an infection, alone. And meanwhile, your husband is at home with the baby. And usually it's such a mum intensive time, right? You're basically attached to the baby for those first three months. And instead, you must have had such a different experience. And Beetle must have had to, by sheer necessity, be... Incredibly involved, like from the get go. Yeah,
1: he's so involved. We couldn't do it just me and him. You know, we were very, very fortunate that we were able to get some childcare help. And actually, that charity that I was telling you about, Mummy Star, they gave us a a grant towards childcare. Oh,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I
0: will include a link to them in show notes if anybody wants to donate.
1: Oh, yeah, thank you. They were so, so amazing to me.
0: Yeah. God, Peter was incredible. He from the yeah, from the get-go,
1: he, he did it all. But also trying to go back to work, his work were really great, obviously. But that's why we ended up having to get the the help in because he needed to go to work. And so we got this lovely lady. But yeah, I, I didn't spend those few months with Orla. I mean I did when I could, but it was a very different experience, I think, to what I guess, yeah, to what other people have.
0: Terrifying to watch your partner go through it and also be trying to support them, but also be going through your own terror of like, well, what might happen and you have no idea you have absolutely Big no time. idea you can't but you can't picture the future you have no clue so you're not only dealing with the fact that your wife has gone through the bombshell of literally just becoming a mum which is huge in itself but then also dealing with the bombshell of someone in their early 30s dealing with chemo surgery and the rest of it it must have just been really really tough time but what I always think about with these things as well is how do you relate to your peers right because you do nct and you have pregnant friends or whatever and meanwhile they're worrying about like oh my baby won't sleep or i mean it must Mm. be so difficult or it must have been so difficult to relate to that when you were going through what you were going through i mean what an isolating experience
1: it's a bit of a blank when i think back to that time because it was such a high adrenaline situation i genuinely feel like my brain has purposefully forgotten bits of it. But yes, I did feel, we. I have an NCT group and I did feel a bit out the loop because they would be meeting up all the time and chatting about things. And I just had to just stay on my path, have my blinkers on, head down, got to get through it. I was surrounded by so much love, which just kind of got me through. Even now when friends have babies and they ask me questions, I can't really
0: yeah.
1: relate. In the same way, because I didn't have a, well, inverted commas, normal situation. You know, it was completely different. But I used to crave the normal as well. So when I had energy, I used to always try and meet up with that group, particularly. But also for all Like wanted her to socialise and have normal experiences. And obviously when I was going through chemo, I used to have to leave home for a few days sometimes because it just all got a bit too much.
0: So, I mean, you had surgery two weeks after, then breast milk plus surgery, bad combo, horrible infection, back in uh, hospital. When did they want you to do chemo? And what was your chemo like, if you don't mind me asking? Because I know that for some people, it's like, okay, take some pills at home. And for other people, it's like, go in, and it's a drip type of situation and super intensive. So what happened?
1: So the chemo I had was intensive. My specific case, they went in hard and I had eight rounds weekly of a drug called Paclitaxel. And then at the end, it was four rounds of a drug called EC. And that was every two weeks. So the effects build up and you kind of start to feel worse and worse as the time goes on, as also your immune system gets shot one of the worst bits about the chemo was i wanted to use the cold cap which is so you can keep your hair and so they basically freeze your head to be fair it works but unfortunately for me one time it didn't fit properly and then i lost all my hair
0: so oh, was, for God's sake.
1: it was so annoying because i'd done so well and some you know actually i had a friend that went through same triple negative, same as me.
0: You had a friend who went through it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what?
1: yeah. My, my oh friend. Oh my god. I know, I know, and it was so weird because it was a year later. Exactly. She's fine now. You know, she's doing really well. It was horrible, but also she was there to like give me loads of advice. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my god. Like, but, that must have been incredible to have someone who's been through it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it was. It was amazing. and She's amazing. But yeah, hers worked, and she managed. I mean, it thinned thinned out, but like she managed to keep her hair. But for me, uh, I did. And then, yeah, got me in the time. end.
0: Oh, got me in the so end. annoying. And it, your hair has always been like a massive part of your identity, right? So people, obviously, you can't see Jen. I'm sure you'll look her up. But you had waist length, bright blonde ringlets, right? So it's like a yeah. huge part of your look.
1: When I first got diagnosed, that's one of the first things I thought about. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my hair.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Like hair is such a big part of like your identity oh my god it so is and but it's been wonderful in
1: a way sorry it's not been wonderful at all but sorry <laughs> what, what, what i mean is it was my identity and, and when it was all taken away and like, i just realized without sounding really cheesy but i can't say this without being cheesy but i was like i'm so much more than my hair <laughs> you know <laughs> it didn't matter you know it just was different i don't know i feel like i changed so much after that <laughs>
0: Sorry to interrupt, are you a woman on a career comeback journey or a business looking to empower your female employees during their returnities? Well, let me introduce you to the Springback Guide, a revolutionary digital coaching product that's changing the game for women and businesses alike. Our Springback Guide is designed to help women go back to work feeling happy and confident it's like having a personal coach right on your phone guiding you every step of the way. Plus, now here's the real game changer, it costs just a fraction of the price of conventional coaching. No more time-consuming and expensive coaching sessions. With Springback Guide, we're putting the power in your hands, right where it belongs. We're not just changing the game, we're changing the way women and businesses consider returnity. So if you're looking to make your career come back with confidence or if you're a business looking to empower your female workforce and want to find out more, visit us at springbackguide.com or follow us on Instagram at springbackguide and join the revolution today. So that's what I was going to ask because you go through this enormous transition of becoming a mum, but not only just becoming mum, it's like, no, no, I've been through cancer where everything that you think is going to be in your life is suddenly in jeopardy. And you must never have felt the same again. I can't even imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, I feel like a different person, I have to say. I always call it BC <laughs> um, before cancer, yeah, but also BB before baby, because a lot of the time I think I've had such a shift, but is that being becoming a mum or is it the cancer? I'd be so interested to know what I would have been like just becoming a mum because becoming a mum is the biggest shift, isn't it, right? it's oh, huge, yeah. Everything changes. So I definitely feel like a completely different person. I kind of like look back at photos of the old me <laughs> and just think, wow, like, who's that?
0: Do you miss that person?
1: No, I don't. I have learned so much. I've got her She's literally my gift in all of the crap. She was just my little shining light. And it's just given me a different purpose to life. I really was so kind of career obsessed before everything. And I still am, but there are just other things to think about now and and actually family and friends and being surrounded by love and, and happiness is, is the main thing, really, because it could all be taken away. And honestly, some things don't matter. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's like, I just don't worry about some things that I used to, because at the end of the day, every day is precious and be, be grateful for, for, for what you have.
0: So right and oh it got me emotional I think the biggest uh, in the world of cliches that come out of things like this it is like a it must just be such a genuine perspective giver. yeah in a way that perhaps some people don't get until later life where unfortunately these things do happen more and you lose friends and it just must be really strange to get that sort of perspective and the like at your
1: age you know. <laughs> And also to add in, like when I was going through this, I I lost one of my best friends from bowel cancer. And she was 33 and she was so incredible. And before she died, she said, well, we can't cure the disease. We can get through the pain with love, laughter and music. Wake up tomorrow and take a moment to remember why we're here to love and be loved. Got to be grateful for, for what we have and cherish the people around you big time.
0: Absolutely, and I know a bit about Vicky just because of again your social media, but also because of the amazing big sing that you did with Gareth Malone of all people. So why don't you tell us a bit about that?
1: Ah, the big sing! (laughs) That was amazing. I put on a big concert uh, this time last year, actually called the Big Sing, and Vicky and I were at school together, and we just loved obviously loads of music together. It was her idea actually to when she had was diagnosed with bowel cancer to. Put on a a kind of fundraising concert with choirs and stuff. And when I got diagnosed, we were like, right, let's join forces and uh, make this proper.
0: So did she get diagnosed before you?
1: Yeah, she got diagnosed before me. And then she got her kind of terminal stage four diagnosis probably around March. Then I was diagnosed in April. Yeah. Yeah my God. And I was like, we've got to do this. We've got to make this concert happen. And, and basically, we got Gareth Malone, who he's
0: amazing. How? How did you get Gareth <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wonderful, Gareth. I, I've had the absolute pleasure of songwriting with him quite a few times. And originally, I was looking for a studio space, and he offered his studio. It was just through connections. And then we kind of got songwriting and became friends. And it's always one of those hard ones. I was like, oh, do I...
0: Do I ask? (laughs) Yeah, because he's so famous. Like, I mean, everybody knows him. My mum practically fell off her chair when I told her. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is, what was so special about it was that
1: Vicky and her family were just such big fans of Gareth. And Gareth, if you're listening, like, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you did that for us. And it really made it. And he led the choir. I made a program of songs, but we got the audience involved. So Gareth was there to lead the orchestra. And then we had a professional choir on stage also. And it was like 600 people in St Luke's church in Chelsea, just singing. And we raised 36,000 pounds. I mean, it's just ridiculous for breast cancer now and the Royal Marsden. And I think about it, just what we achieved. I was ill. Like I was going through chemo. So I had an like amazing, Christ. amazing team of friends that helped me with it. Marina Kisti and Katrina, they just took it on. And I, I organized all the music side of things. But Vix didn't, sadly didn't, she died a month before. So, so tragically couldn't be there, but you know, she was there in spirit and we did her so proud and raised so much money. And that money will help. You know, breast cancer now told me that 16, because we kind of split the money, that the money that we gave them will go towards help funding a PhD student for cancer research. And you just think that was just worth it. We'll put on another one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Watch space. Definitely on, yeah, definitely put on another one. And also so much to go through and that yeah chemotherapy you've got a very young baby and you've just lost your friend and it's still unknown at that time your status I just can't imagine but what a feat of strength but at the same time you must have just felt like well this has just got to happen there's, there's no other option.
1: there was no other option and that's what I always felt when I was in the pits and there's so many things that people who go through cancer and treatment don't tell you I had to do injections all the time because my white blood cells were low or to get the chemo and I had to have this like pick line it's called inserted in my arm and all these things and at the time it's just horrendous but you soldier on through because that's all you've got to do it's
0: only choice yeah
1: I lay there with Aula and there were times where I just like sob you know and just be like oh my god I, but th- but then at the same time I was like, I'm I need to be your mum <laughs> like yeah I, if I don't have this like I might not be your mum well you know what I mean obviously. I know what you mean and yeah you just find that strength and everyone that goes through cancer treatment absolute shout out to them they're just so brave it's um yeah, it's it's scary and it's intense but you just You get into battle mode. And weirdly, when it's all over, like me and Beatle talk about this sometimes, we felt a bit lost almost when it was over because I finished radiotherapy in February. And it's like a whole year has been just a battle, getting through getting through. And we were in fight mode. And then it's over and you're like, whoa.
0: (laughs) So tell me about that moment when it came to an end, that whole process you said, yeah, it took a year. How did you know it was over? And when did you feel like, could sort of exhale or did that moment never come i don't know
1: it took a while i was still really tired and uh, battered and bruised of course and i actually would only stay until probably july i started mm. to feel myself a bit more it took a really long time because I, yeah i did feel a bit lost when it was all over and getting back into my career when can i do normal things again because my life had been so institutionalized in a way yeah it was a strange time, that after bit, I would say, and we eventually kind of got there. I now feel that I'm getting back into a bit of a normal routine, but it it stays with me. I have to say, I think about it all the time. I've got to be on my boobs now, particularly the next two years, the, what they call the vulnerable years, you know, for reoccurrences and stuff, which is absolutely unlikely to happen, I'm sure. As I said, I caught it early and I've got those things on my side, but I've just got to be aware of things and just take each day at a time mm. try not to get too stressed about the small things
0: i often think it must be a bit of an anti-climax when you get to the end of something like that because you probably just think all the time like we just need to get to the end we just need to get to the end and then you get to the end and then it's like i don't really know what's just happened yeah, yeah I'd
1: always, <laughs> I'd always remember, like i'm gonna have a massive night out and actually yeah yeah actually that massive night out was planned and i literally could only like last till 11 o'clock <laughs>
0: <laughs> like bye I'm yeah. out I'm just gonna sleep for a year yeah it, it was
1: yeah so it's like you plan all these things I don't know it is an anticlimax. it's a strange time the after bit and I got a lot of lovely emotional support and therapy from Macmillan counsellors Macmillan are just amazing they are and they helped me through the whole thing I had a great counsellor throughout and I've only just actually kind of signed off from them because it yeah it took a lot of time to adjust
0: back so how do you feel about coming back from your career and what this podcast is really about I mean I keep plugging this term maternity but it's not just coming back from having a baby it's mostly coming back from yeah I had a baby I also had cancer and got through it so how did you approach that because again you don't have maternity leave because you're freelance so what was that like and because you were almost still I mean that charity concert is work I mean it's it's, it's lovely, but it's work, I guess, because that's your job. So, yeah,
1: yeah, it's funny. Well, actually, during as well, I did a lot of writing down lyrics, which I'm now turning into my album. But going back to work, it was a strange one because I did it slowly. I'd start sending out emails almost being like, I'm back <laughs> and see if there's any opportunities to write some music for things. And it's been a, a slow and steady start, I would say. I did one job in the middle of it all. I, that, actually, that's when I sung on The Little Mermaid. I just, <laughs> just I, casually you know, just in the middle of my cancer treatment. I slipped that one in just before I started chemo. It was about six weeks after I gave birth. I'd had the surgery. I was waiting for chemo to start. And I did that session. I'm so, glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I did it. But yeah, that's funny to think that. Went to Air Studio and it was like a big, big gig. You know, because of social media and everything, I kind of stayed in touch with a few people. But when you go on a break, even maternity as well, people can forget about you, maybe. So I definitely had quite a bit of momentum before everything. And then it was obviously halted. And so it's been slow and getting people to kind of re-engage and work with people again. It just takes its time, basically. Yeah
0: does um, and it's like time to consider I think sometimes people aren't quite sure how much you want to do right so they're like oh we can true. consider them for this and then you're like oh but do they want it or like do they oh yeah. I know she's been through a really hard time or oh she's just become a mum or you know it's like oh maybe maybe it's too much like maybe and irrespective of your experience you always have to kind of remind people you're like no no no, like I am here like oh, <laughs> completely. I actually, like I, I will come back if you ask me but you want to ask me you know hundred, yeah oh God, absolutely the fact that people
1: will be like oh she's got too much on her plate no 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 I will decide if I've got too much on my plate that's a real bug bear in mind. yeah yeah
0: you're on the right podcast <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was gonna say obviously your work is your absolute passion and a big part of what this podcast is about is talking about the importance of work in our identity and how having a baby drops a bit of a bomb into the middle of that and how it just shakes things up you're trying to go back because it's the thing that makes you feel like you but then it's really quite tricky (laughs) so how has coming back to work helped you to make you feel more like yourself has it helped bring you back a little bit to the done before all this happened
1: yeah I think my work is very much my identity because it's also my passion because it's something I've done for so long yeah coming back to it is amazing and all it goes into nursery now three days a week and I just really love that that I've got my kind of time with her Thursday Fridays you know we're talking about in the week and then I do me three days and it's a really nice balance and yeah when I sing when I write I definitely just feel like me All is, definitely become an inspiration for a lot of stuff that I do, especially with my songwriting. I feel like convey new emotions, but it's when I'm out in the studio singing, I definitely feel like it's a different world to kind of mum life and cancer life.
0: Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I feel like, I don't know why that question stumped me because... Well, I mean, I think probably because you've been singing all the way through, and I think it's probably just so integral to who you are as a person. I mean, you said it yourself. Yeah, I'll sing on Little Mermaid. Like, why not? Like, even in the midst of something so dramatic, the beauty of singing as well is that you can just kind of take it with you wherever you go, not having to log onto a laptop or whatever. You can just essentially be you, but through song, which is kind of cheesy, but true. Oh, completely. And
1: it's really nice Sing, all are engage in music as well, and like,
0: yeah. Do you think she's
1: musical? Oh yeah, I do. I do actually. She I um, think. she really responds to it.
0: Oh bless her. Don't worry,
1: I'm not going to be there. Like
0: you must play the piano. Yeah, <laughs> play the harp now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You can obviously do what she wants, but she seems to be engaging in music but you know a lot of kids do don't they they love they love a love a nursery rhyme
0: well that's why I love Gareth Malone so much because I just love that he gets everybody in music because yeah music just has such power to make you feel things anyway I'm really conscious of your time so I've got one more question to ask yeah. you which is where would you love to be in 10 years when you imagine your life in 10 years where do you want to be in terms of work home whatever
1: I would absolutely love to have maybe a couple of albums out at this point. Touring, but I think the main thing is composing for some big feature films. That would be amazing. And I'd love
0: to add to our family at the moment. I was going to say for you, is that possible? Because I know that sometimes it can be a bit challenging.
1: I was put into kind of temporary menopause during chemo and I haven't managed to come out of it yet. So I don't know, is the answer. I've got some eggs frozen. If oh, not,
0: awesome.
1: so yeah, I would love to add to to the gang, but we'll have to see about that. I think I'm aiming for a Mercury Prize. There we go. That's what that's Mercury what
0: Prize. Love it. Got to manifest. Time. Like, why not? <laughs> well, look. On that note, firstly, I'm just really grateful that you shared your story because I just think it must be really, really hard to revisit some of that, and also just to hear from someone with such a cool career mm-hmm. and doing something really different to i think most people who are kind of in in corporate world so i just thank you so 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 much for your time i'm really grateful
1: it's been great to talk to you and yeah i found it quite emotional at times i guess talking about that stuff but it's also of course. good to talk about these
0: things right yeah yeah no thank you for having me on you made it thank you for tuning into this episode of fraternity We hope you found the discussion inspiring and informative. Returnity is about celebrating and supporting women on their back-to-work journeys. And speaking of support, don't forget about the Springback Guide. It's the innovative and cost-effective solution for women and businesses alike. Empower yourself or your female workforce with confidence and success on the road to Returnity. To learn more about the Springback Guide and how it's changing the way we approach women's return to work, visit springbackguide.com. See you next week!